I call upon loud roaring and revealing Dionysus, primeval, two-natured, thrice-born Bacchic lord, savage, ineffable, secretive, two-horned and two-shaped, ivy-covered, bull-faced, warlike, howling pure. You take raw flesh, you have triennial feast, wrapped in foliage, decked with grape clusters. Resourceful Eubolius, immortal god sired by Zeus when he mated with Persephone in unspeakable union. Hearken to my voice, O blessed one. With your fair griddled nurses, breathe on me in this spirit of perfect kindness. In this Orphic hymn, the singer references a series of mysteries surrounding the Greek god Dionysus, also known by his Roman name, Bacchus. Those of you familiar with the myth of Semele may be surprised to hear that the god's mother is Persephone consort of Hades and goddess of the underworld. In fact, Zeus fathered Dionysus twice by two different mothers, but that's only two births, whereas the singer calls the god thrice born, which is to say three times. In fact, all three of Dionysus' parents birthed him into the world, including the great father Zeus. The myth of Dionysus, like all of the most interesting Greek myths, is complex and not always wildly consistent, and it is the source for a belief system that took form as tame, fraternal, public clubs, as well as wild, ecstatic, and secretive cults, uh, the more interesting of the two. In any case, we're going to get around to both today on our episode about the cult of Dionysus. My name is Dr. Rob C. Thompson, joined this day by Nikki Hiller-Henderson, our Naked Truth. Hello. What's up? Uh, How are things? It's a little too cold to be naked, but there isn't snow, so that's really strange for this time of year. I don't feel like I've ever heard that from you. I know, there's always snow. I know, but that it's (laughs) too cold (laughs) to be naked. yeah. yeah. No, it is. It's too cold. It was a different living arrangement. I, I, I seem to recall that where you used to live, the heat was so high in the winter. Yes. You were you were more naked in the winter. Yes. If that's possible. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I had to record in my closet. Right, right. And it Which was, was like, hot. Yeah, it was like a, it was so warm in there. But now I can just record. A well-heated closet. In my bedroom. So I'm not as boiling. See, this is, this is us moving on up, the alchemical actors. Getting coming out of the digs. closet and that's coming funny. out of the closet <laughs> it's funny because i moved in with my girlfriend well now you're way out of the closet yep. and jake wheatley our knight of the dangling serpent yo 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 what's up with you uh thriving uh thriving <laughs> yeah Sur- surviving surviving and thriving. thriving and maybe a little perspiring i don't know Maybe a little perspire. If you happen to be in the Seattle area and you have an apartment or a room available, <laughs> yeah, take me in. <laughs> consider an alchemical actor Con- for a roommate. <laughs> I'm gonna like draft up a a poster advertisement for that. <laughs> Wait, that reminds me. A while ago, I did. I made like a post on Instagram that was an advertisement to like for me that it was like one free jake to you or something like that (laughs) (laughs) what did you did you get responses uh yeah i did actually and then i got nervous so i deleted it (laughs) (laughs) well because you set the price too low my friend i know i realized i was like damn okay i gotta actually start charging the jake's a hot commodity (laughs) yeah yeah if you want a a higher tier client you're gonna have to set the bar higher you know economically speaking (laughs) 
<laughs> Noted. I, I really am not too uh, street smart when it comes to profit, money, and stuff. <laughs> Stranger danger. Mark. Stranger danger, maybe. <laughs> All right, Nikki, take off those headphones. Here we go. We're going to do this okay. pledge. We, we the, the members, members of the secret order of alchemical actors do solemnly commit ourselves to a full and honest telling of the history of the occult as far as we know it. I was faster. You were pretty quick. You you were booking through that pledge. I know. Just gotta gotta take your time, savor it. You know. That was spot on. All right, you gotta make some sounds. Open up that order of confessors. Da da da. Take it very celebratory and it should be uh we're back doing the regular episodes and uh, we got a long list of patrons to uh you know admit to initiate i mean y'all have initiated yourselves already over on the patreon but we want to honor you uh, so we've we've got a long list so i'm going to divide it in half we'll do the rest in our our next installment here but we want to welcome hunter l zach p jason uh bobby jordan w blair t Athena F. There's another Greek name, Ooh. and Connor T. We got a couple of Greek names in the mix today for Perfect. our Greek episode. Well, the first of our Greek episodes, we're going to do two Greek cults, but uh, we're going to start with Dionysus, my main man. Okay, well, close. Uh, well, let's say some more things. Listen to Strange Ride. That's always a good thing. Strange Ride is going on, and I have got a episode coming up about why and how the band starship built this city on rock and roll now that may sound silly to you <laughs> nikki's already laughing no wait no I'm, no not at all <laughs> nikki's riveted uh so it'll be me and savannah and, and uh, mims is going to do that one with us because he's our guy who was in a rock band at one point and uh my question for that episode is uh, how why that song is considered the worst song of the 80s and by some publications the rolling stone called it uh the worst song of the 80s but some publications have called it the worst rock song of all time um so we're gonna ask why it is that song upsets people so much and also still gets you know like radio play at the wawa when you're going in to get your hoagie or whatever it's still out there man uh so that's strange ride just strange ride plug for you uh do join patreon uh brie is cooking up some new episodes over there and uh, we're actually going to do another thing where we post half of the series on the main channel and the other half will go on patreon just for our patrons uh, and more good things are coming uh, over there. And let's see, anything else I got to plug? Leave us a review, man. Leave us a review. We've been trolled a bit lately, and uh, we could use some of those positive reviews over on the iTunes. And, of course, feeding us stars on the Spotify's. All right, Nikki, close us up. Ba-da-da-da. Here, we've got a couple actors here today. Nikki, uh, you're more of a film person, internet kind of YouTube person, yeah? I suppose. All these things, and J- Jake's you, you're you're a real old fashioned theater guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm decrepit <laughs> old theater guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the theater that was old, Jake. No, oh, but yeah. <laughs> okay. We're we're not getting any younger either. I know. <laughs> the theater is ageless. So if you've heard of Dionysus, you're likely aware of his associations with grapes, wine, and theater. What's that lyric again, Nikki? That you were telling me? Wine and women and wonderful vices. Them's are the, the sins of Dionysus. Uh, <laughs> wow. Not the sins. <laughs> what a, blessings. The blessings of Dionysus. The, the famous theater Dionysia was the site where some of the ancient world's greatest scripted performances were staged in honor of the god. 
But the question becomes, what is the connection between wine and theater? So women and wine, it's like Dionysus is, you know, like your ancient rock star, right? He's got his main ads. His main ads. Yeah, running around after him, causing trouble, ripping things apart. Exactly like rock stars. Uh, but now theater. What does theater have to do? So wine gets you drunk, you go crazy, you tear things apart. The, the women tend to be frenzied. Um, That's pretty theatrical pretty theatrical stuff oh so do you think just inherently this is a theatrical but a lot of gods have their rights right their rituals their undertakings i guess they're all pretty theatrical in a way yeah but so what is it that makes dionysus uniquely the god of of theater the power of wine to remove inhibitions parallels the power of art stay with me here to strip away the socialized self to reveal through the donning of the theatrical mask the true inner self. Okay. How's that sound to you? Does that yeah. sound true for you, Jake? Yeah, I love exposing myself like that. <laughs> exposing your inner self, Jake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I meant. <laughs> Wine and art are a path to unfiltered truth. This, in its purest and most idealistic form, is the ideology of the Dionysian mysteries, a cult of drunk, naked conspiratorial revelers tearing a fully grown bull limb from limb deep in the forests outside of the greek city-state or as nikki calls it thursday night yes uh, (laughs) those are my girls (laughs) so let's get into this Uh, we need to do some of the mythology here because to understand the cult of dionysus we have to understand his various incarnations dionysus was born three times how about you guys? I, I just had the one. Uh, well, let's see. I guess I'm, if I'm going with the whole like Christianity thing, sort of two ish, but no. <laughs> but, but it could be up, you may be up to three. You were born yeah. biologically, then you were born again, then yeah. you you know, and now, had a different. <laughs> and then I was. Then were I, you unborn again? Yeah. Then I was unborn. So Does it I guess, cancel out? I go oh, back you, down the one. Maybe you're back to one. <laughs> hmm. Making the family proud, you know? <laughs> the, the mysteries of Dionysus, which still remain in large part mysterious, are perhaps best understood through the lens of the myths associated with the god. There are two myths of the god's birth that Greeks did not view as contradictory, but rather potentially contiguous, which is to say continuous. Dionysus was conceived and birthed twice by separate mothers in separate circumstances, but he was the same Dionysus more or less in both cases. Really only the Greeks, maybe not only the Greeks, but the Greeks often get up to this business. They get away with a lot of stuff in this score. For some, these Dionysoi, that's the plural of Dionysus. (laughs) (laughs) These Dionysus, you can impress your friends with that. sounds like a dinosaur. (laughs) The Dionysoi? Yeah! (laughs) They were separate gods who had the same name. Uh, um, So the Dionysoi, uh, for others, uh, so so for some they were separate gods with the same name, and for others they were the same god, uh, period. Literally the same entity. God. I don't want to say human. Entigod. Entigod. (laughs) So... (laughs) Dionysus's first and lesser-known birth was by Persephone. Now, I think you're going to like this one, Jake, because you and I played a game that uh, references oh, this. Oh, Hades? Yep, yep, oh. yep, yep. 
So Persephone was the daughter of Demeter, lusted after by all the sons of Olympus. Hermes brought her a staff, Apollo brought her a harp, Ares brought her a spear, a breastplate, and a shield, and Hephaestus forged for her a necklace. So everyone's bringing her gifts to try to, you know, get her in bed. Demeter worried over who would be her daughter's husband, being especially opposed to a wedding with jealous Hephaestus. Also, I think Hephaestus is generally regarded as not as attractive. Even the name Hephaestus sounds like asbestos. But he's the blacksmith. That's pretty cool. <laughs> but the name sucks. He's your working man's god. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, I think that's a little bit of uh, anti-working man ideology there. But anyhow, <laughs> we love the working man here. We are mostly listened to by welders. That's cool. Wow. Artists in their own right. Uh, what were we talking about? So <laughs> Demeter was worried over who would be her daughter's husband, so she consulted the astrologer Astraeus, ancient father of the stars and the four winds, and the god of astrology. Astraeus consulted the date and conditions of Persephone's birth and did not mince words. Beware, O loving mother, the moon's bright rays grown faded beneath a blackened sky. Beware her wan and banishing light. Guard against the thief who seeks to ravage your virgin Persephone, if fate can be persuaded. Prior to marriage, a bedmate comes folded in secret falsehoods. Oh. Yeah, not a good sign. No. So, although Persephone is best known for her marriage to Hades, by which she spent part of the year in the underworld with him and part of the year on Earth with her mother, offering a mythological explanation for the seasons, but also for the Eleusinian mysteries, see our next episode. Oh, pomegranates too. (laughs) Pop, yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's what we'll call it. Pomegranates 2. <laughs> Watch out for pomegranates. That's <laughs> yeah. Pomegranates 2, the sequel, though. Uh, the bedmate uh, Agraeus was referring to was not, in fact, Hades, but Zeus. Although some interpret... Uh. All right. So why, again, Nikki, is that a problem for you? That's her dad. That's daddy. <laughs> so Zeus and Demeter, who... Are they sis, brother and sister anyway? Anyhow. Yeah, I uh, think so. So... <laughs> Their child was Persephone, yeah. Um, But let me give you a way out of this, Nikki. The Greek gods are distinct, but they're also fluid in identity. So Zeus is sometimes, Hades is sometimes regarded as the chthonic aspect of Zeus. So potentially. So it's Zeus either way. Yeah, there's sort of Mm. no way around it. Well, I mean, either way, it's her dad or her uncle. There's one other version where it's Dionysus himself who has sex with her, um, but that doesn't make any sense because she gives birth to Dionysus. So, yeah, is that some like time travel stuff going and on? And I'm my own father. It's actually an interpretation of Dionysus's name. So his name, Dionysa, god of Nysa. The, te- the region of Nysa was where Dionysus was raised. Yeah. And that's where Persephone was supposed to have opened the portal to hell and been swallowed up by Hades. So, okay. Okay. It's a stretch, I think, that interpretation, because it doesn't make sense with the rest of this story, because Dionysus is about to be born and doesn't exist yet, but it, <laughs> it's out there. you being your own dad. 
<laughs> I think that's the plot of Back to the Future. Oh, um, oh no. <laughs> in, Who knew that was so like Greek coded? Right. It, I mean, it, it really is. In uh, Nonus's Dionysiaca, the writer, Nonus, does not list Persephone's parents, but some accounts list her as the daughter of Zeus and Demeter, which, as Nikki's saying, gives the myth a classic incestuous character. Anyhow, Demeter hit, Demeter hit her daughter away in a cave, but Zeus, being fairly, if not absolutely omniscious, found her on Mount Ida, uh, and, and they gave birth to the baby Zagreus. Well, you know, Persephone did. Zeus fathered her. Him. Zagreus, that is. And Zagreus is born with horns. Um, nice. Bull horns. But I think there are some who speculate that Dionysus with the bull horns is a prototype for what Christians would later call Satan. Oh. Also kind of reminds me of Pan. Yes, yeah. Pan is in there, too. The presence of the horns for Satan, I think, is a suggestion of his paganism or his mm. being outside of the you know, letter of the law. Gotcha. So on Mount Ida, the baby Zagreus, also known as Dionysus Zagreus, is guarded by a band of ancient gods of the wild mountainside called the Coretes. But Hera, jealous as always of Zeus's offspring by females other than Hera, sent the Titans to kill Zagreus. Zeus had intended for the boy to be his successor, but the Titans, faces smudged with chalk, which I guess is terrifying, set upon him while he was distracted by his own reflection in a mirror and began to tear him limb from limb. He's distracted by his reflection in a mirror because he's a baby. Oh, I was about to say, I also get distracted by my own reflection, too, quite often. Yeah, that's not just a baby thing, okay? <laughs> that's just a yeah, narcissist yeah. thing. Uh, right, Sometimes right, right. you just, yeah. you know. There may be a mythological lesson here, but I think at the core, it's just that he's brand new to the world. Um, anyhow, mm. Zagreus fought the Titans, transforming himself into a lion, a stallion, a serpent, a tiger, and finally a bull, the animal most closely identified with Dionysus. But Hera screamed a terrible scream and roared a terrible roar, and he collapsed and was utterly destroyed. The bull and the fact that Zagreus was born with horns suggests his connection to the second Dionysus. Zeus may have also carried the infant's heart with him to help conceive the new Dionysus with his next partner, Semele. Got me so far? Mm-hmm. All right, so Zagreus, uh, Jake, why don't you just fill us in a little bit? They've made a game about Zagreus. Yeah, escaping fish from the hells to, you know... Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a dungeon crawler mm -hmm. where you got to get out of Hades as Zagreus to meet your mother who's waiting for you. Yep. Because I guess That's it's cool. spring. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a good game. I love that game. It's really fun. Now there's a second. In any case, Zeus was enraged and literally set the world on fire when he found out his kid had been torn apart by Titans. Like you do. In Nonus, he sealed the Titans up in Tartarus and set their mother, the Earth, aflame until half-burnt oceans burst like geysers and violent fumaroles. Then, pitying the wretchedness of the Earth burnt to a crisp, he wished to rinse away the ashes from her wounds. He covered the sky with clouds and readied a deluge, not unlike Noah's flood or Manu's flood. Uh, Poseidon ended that flood by striking, at Zeus's request, a split between the peaks of Thessaly to drain the water down. So the earth and all upon it are pretty well wrecked at this point. Because Dionysus died. Wow. And that would be the world without theater. 
Right. See, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. People don't appreciate. In a hermetic or Gnostic interpretation of this part of the story, some Dionysian believers held that we were created from the ashes of the Titans and the spirit of Dionysus, which mingled in the waters of the flood to form humanity. You see, so the flesh is, you know, lesser and the spirit is greater. We have the spirit of Dionysus in us, but the flesh of the Titans. Dionysus, his second birth. uh, So we're good on Zagreus, ready to move on? Yeah. All right. His second birth, or the second Dionysus's birth, whether you choose to believe they're the same Dionysus or whether they are separate Dionysoi. Um, but the second one is the more famous of the two and parallels in many ways the first one. Again, Zeus sought out, par- out a paramour, and their tryst angered Hera. Again, the child born to that union was horned like a bull. Again, Hera sought vengeance by conspiring to destroy the child, but this time, the child survived. This time, Zeus's lover was a human woman, Semele, the daughter of Cadmus. Cadmus is a significant figure in Greek mythology as the founder of Thebes. He's the brother of Europa, who who bore three sons by Zeus, and the father of not only Semele, but also Ino, who would help raise Dionysus, and Autonomy, whose son Actaeon was torn apart by his own hounds when Artemis transformed him into a stag, also Agave, who killed her own son Pentheus in a fit of Dionysiac madness when mother and son would not recognize Dionysus's divinity. The plot of a famous play called The Bacchants. The beautiful Semele dreamed of a garden of vines set aflame and believed that garden was her. Cadmus went to the blind seer Tiresias to tell about his daughter's dream. And Tiresias said she should go to the temple of Athena and sacrifice a bull to the Lord of Lightning. Bathed in blood, she rushed down to the river to wash herself clean. Zeus caught sight of her naked form in the water and descended to her, first in the form of an eagle to watch her, and then later to her bed in human form with the horns of a bull. In another echo of the Zagreus myth, Zeus took on the mane of a lion and the look of a leopard as he made love to his newest consort. Unlike the description of many of Zeus's other conquests, in this case, the union was welcomed by his female partner and mutually pleasurable. So that's that's rare. That breaks uh, (laughs) it up a little bit for him. It's honestly quite out of character for him. There is a dozen women who Zeus um, has is mythologically partnered with. um, And so Semele is, is, I think, perhaps in the minority when it comes to the mutuality of their engagement. Mm. Zeus in wedlock lingered joyfully as if drunk in a wailing love cry and planted his son. Mouth touched mouth, maddened by tender desire. And Semele grew from her in Murato's nectar, so she would bear a son who heralds the kindly harvest. Wow. Steamy. Yeah. Sexy stuff. Saucy. Consent is sexy. Consent, Consent yes. is sexy. So, so is agriculture. Agriculture is sexy. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. In, in Nonus's version of events, a cadre of divinities conspire against Semele. Jealousy, f- uh, jealously full of ill will against the fetal Dionysus, um, Hera goes to tell Semele what had happened. Uh, oh, sorry. I'm confused. Jealousy, who is a separate god, is full of ill will against the fetal Dionysus. So jealousy is an what, what did he say? An entity, not an entity, in div, divine, divinity, anyway. <laughs> divinity. Yes, is a divinity. <laughs> a so, divine entity? There you go. 
That's so many words. Anyway, yeah. Jealousy goes to, uh, is mad about the fetal Dionysus existing and goes and says to Hera, hey, uh, your husband had sex with another uh, mortals. And uh, Hera's pissed. <laughs> Typical jealousy. Not again. Yeah. So Hera plans to destroy the baby, just like she did with Zagreus. Disguised as a nanny. What, were you going to say something about Zagreus? No, I just think it's funny. She's like, are you kidding me? I did this once. I'm going to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) So much of mythology is really a Roadrunner cartoon. Yeah, just over and over and over again. Disguised as a nanny, uh, Hera visits the pregnant Semele, I imagine Mary Poppins, and tells her (laughs) of Zeus's earlier cause. She's a British woman from... The early part Floats of the 20th on century. Down with her yeah. umbrella. She looks like yes. Julie Andrews. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. Everyone, everyone's happy to see Julie Andrews, right? Yeah. Um, tells she so she floats on down and she tells the pregnant Semele of Zeus's earlier conquest, trying to get Semele jealous. Semele may feel pride in her union with the great god Zeus, but she is not as lucky as Europa, who Zeus carried across the water in the form of a bull, or Dane, who he visited in the form of a shower of gold. I believe Dane is his is her Semele's aunt or something. There is a relation between Dane and Semele. Um, nor is Semele as lucky as Zeus's own wife Hera, who was crowned with lightning and whose marriage bed was full of thunderbolts. Tempted by Hera in disguise, Semele makes a request of her lover, basically that he come to her with thunderbolts. If you honor me, you'll cook me up a wedding with heavenly cosmical blazes. No simple yoke loot for me. No, I have a whole constellation. Heavenly Lyra sang star hymns at Semele's wedding. Reluctantly, Zeus brought his thunderbolt down upon her, and she was incinerated instantly. <laughs> Ouch. Yep. Careful what you wish for. But the infant in her womb was not destroyed, and Hermes brought him up to Zeus, who placed him in his thigh until such time as he was ready to be born yet again. The other version of this, before I get to what happens to Semele after she's incinerated, is that Semele drinks uh, some sort of potion given to her by Zeus that contains the heart of Zagreus. Mm. And then I guess he has sex with her. For her part, uh, Semele was resurrected and housed among the inmost Olympians. In this way, she mirrors a template for occult initiation and for Dionysus himself, the confrontation and immolation at the hands of the gods, only to be born again on a higher tier of being. So the Semele story is actually theoretically a positive one from an Mm. occult standpoint. While Dionysus Zagreus was torn apart, inspiring Zeus to rain fire down on the planet, the second Dionysus survived the flames. Dionysus was sent to Lamos' daughters to care for him, but Hera drove those daughters mad. Before they could tear him to pieces, again, Hermes spirited him off to Semele's sister, Ino, who had just had her own child. When Hera found him again, Hermes brought him to Rhea, his grandmother, the Earth Goddess, and with her, he grew to adulthood, uh, cared for, as uh, in some stories, at, in Nysa, uh, the mythical town of Nysa. And so Dionysus, uh, I think he was looked after by the nymphs of the rain, something like that. That's their, like, ancestral home, Nysa. And so Dionysus was thrice born. First, from Persephone as Zagreus, then in lightning and fire with Semele, and finally from his father Zeus's thigh. 
Euripides also suggests, and just another side note, because I know an awful lot about Dionysus, that <laughs> he was not actually born from Zeus's thigh, but that was a, a misunderstanding of the language of the myth, and that um, this he was actually born from the clouds, that Zeus tucked him away in the clouds to be born one more time. How did that get like mixed up between uh, his thigh and the clouds? I, I ask Euripides, man. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes, yeah, 2,500 years ago. Euripides, by the way, it was uh, my one of my grad professors, uh, Frank Hildy, said that Euripides was the Shakespeare of all the time before Shakespeare. Oh. So, like, you know, he was the most famous playwright up until Shakespeare. Yeah. But we don't think about Euripides that way anymore. Probably some of you were hearing his name for the first time. <laughs> Like and, googling it really quick, be like, "Who was this?" Oh. <laughs> and how do you spell that? Uh, <laughs> the, Euripides' innovation, too, while we're on the subject, since I'm a theater guy, was that Euripides' pl- heroes were supposed to be more psychologically deep than Sophocles or the guys before, who were more focused on like the philosophical problems of the plays rather than the psychological problems of the plays. So Euripides ended up being the more most popular of the Greek dramatists for that reason. Hmm. and his plays also survived because of his popularity and many of the dramatists did not anyhow the myths of Dionysus were the most direct inspiration for the Dionysian mysteries the mysteries were likely indigenous to Greece although they are sometimes traced to Thrace or Asia Minor why Dionysus' cult should have existed so far back in Greek history without Dionysus ever becoming a fixed member of the Olympian pantheon is its own mystery so think about it this way, like Dionysus exists in Greek prehistory before the Greeks finalize a pantheon of 12 gods. But when they do that, they don't put Dionysus in that pantheon. He seems like such like a, I don't want to say like crucial, but a big portion of their like mythology. Yeah, I would say that after the 12 and perhaps even beyond like more than some of the 12 Dionysus has more of a cult following and more of a yeah. presence in the mythology. I think you're right. But are they grouping it by like, um, the like parents and that, cause he's like a child of mm. the 12. So is that what it is? Is like the 12, the, like the, the ones that give birth to all the other ones. Well, we have the children of Kronos, uh, Zeus and Poseidon. I think Demeter is a child of Kronos and uh, Hades. And it, again, it, y'all don't 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 write me nasty messages in the comments. Go on Discord and correct me if I get any of this wrong. <laughs> yeah, we um, should. <laughs> but then there are some of the gods who are birthed from Zeus himself. Athena comes out of his head. Um, blood or semen or something gets in the ocean. That's how we get Aphrodite. Yeah. Um, so I think. Dionysus theoretically could count except for the involvement of a mortal woman in his mm. birth. So I see oh, what okay. you're saying, Nikki. The, the Athena is a bit more like a direct incarnation, like right out of his head. Yeah. Whereas not so much for Dionysus was more of a quasi-natural I think the birth. mortal woman mom might have had, that's what got him cut. A little bit of a caveat there. He's got like a Hercules quality to him in that way, yeah. right? Also a very popular figure. Uh, so that's a good good theory. It's also um, arguably, some people think, his association with marginalized people. So his marginalization is itself kind of intentional because he is the god of the marginalized. Oh, okay. so that's why, probably why he could have been excluded from that too. 
Yeah, the cults is most closely associated with women and slaves, and it's that is probably the reason for the snub. Although Nikki makes a good point about the mythological parentage, mm-hmm. marginalization is important important to Dionysus's mythology. In Euripides Bacchae and many similar tales, Dionysus must avenge himself against an unbelieving public. This is not a problem problem that Zeus has or Athena. People just believe in them, but people don't believe in Dionysus. He's not incestuous enough for them. I guess. In the Bacchae, it is Pentheus, his cousin, who will not honor him. I guess that's hard. Like, if your cousin comes to you and says, I'm I'm God. Yes. It's <laughs> a lot to swallow. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Naturally. It's, it's a lot to accept coming from your cousin. Um, anyhow, his cousin, uh, Pentheus, will not honor him. And so he deludes Pentheus, uh, gets him to dress up as a maenad in women's clothes, and then destroys him by having his mother tear him apart wow. the rights she she believes he's a lion at the time so it's all it's okay <laughs> <laughs> that's a sad story that yeah, is a sad one it's a pretty sad story and she like goes to her village and she's so proud and she has like this lion head she's like look i killed this lion with my bare hands and they're like that's your son she's and like, she's like oh shit yes. that is my son and Dionysus is like that's what you get Yep. Uh, so the rites likely began, the mysteries that is, as part of an initiatory wine-based cult intended to follow the growing, harvesting, and pressing of grapes. There's like three ceremonies throughout the year. Wine was used in the rites to induce ecstatic trance, but ancient wine tended to have a fairly low alcoholic content, and so additional drugs may have been added to spur this effect. So wine, let's just get a little into the science briefly yeast is necessary right you got microorganisms that are causing the wine to ferment what happens is after you reach 14 percent alcoholic content the alcohol starts to kill off the yeast so that's about as alcoholic as ancient wine can get because they don't have a process for distilling mm-hmm. so in order to but but greeks describe in a lot of the myths and the stories there's a description of people getting trashed on greek wine so how is this happening the argument is that they mixed in hallucinogens as well that would uh explain the killing your own son and thinking it was a lion the grape certainly helped yeah uh <laughs> <laughs> i want that this. on a shirt too <laughs> the grapes the grapes helped yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the grapes helped Wine had come to Greece in roughly 6,000 BCE, and the cult of Dionysus began in Minoan Crete around 3,000 BCE. All the members of the cult were equal, and the mysteries inducted both men and women. Again, marginalized people. And not the men, of course, but women for sure. In addition to the wine, members used dancing and drumming and piping, as well as invocations to the god to precipitate trance. Through the mysteries, members sought to raise their animal spirits in order to incorporate them into themselves rather than to dominate and repress them. So very different way of thinking here. Let's pause a second, right? Christian Gnostic conceptions, generally not spoken of in the same sentence, but the idea that the flesh is weak and needs to be controlled and dominated. This is not a Dionysian idea. In these mysteries, you invoke your animal spirits and then you make them a part of who you are. Male, male members identified with Dionysus through their rites and female members with Ariadne. Ariadne was the female consort of Dionysus, most famous for crafting the thread that led Theseus through the Minotaur's labyrinth. 
another myth of confronting one's animal self, right? You go into the labyrinth, you confront the bull man, and you have to, you know, you know, win. <laughs> Mind versus beast. Ecstasy was also meant to connect initiates with an experience of eternity, much like they would eventually experience in the afterlife. So the Dionysian cult was focused on both the incorporation of the animal spirit and the spirit surviving death. Interesting stuff. You sort of like often think of those as being opposite or antithetical to each other, but not so much. The Dionysian cults had a heavy focus on life after death, actually. Both male and female members made ritualized trips to the underworld as Dionysus uh, or in order to unite with Dionysus. So if you were a male member, you would act the role of Dionysus venturing down into Hades. If you were a female member, you would act the role of Ariadne uh, meeting Dionysus in the underworld. The trip to Hades was presumably meant to mimic Dionysus's descent and rebirth um, I, I'm speculating that this means between his Zagreus and Dionysus incarnations, which is a little bit like the harrowing of hell in Christian mythology. So, something there. In addition to these secret initiations, the Greeks also celebrated public rituals. Daytime festivities celebrated around the spring equinox in Athens came to feature the famous theatrical competition at which playwrights presented three tra tragedies and one satyr play with awards given to the best. So, which of those tragedies or satyr plays would you guess we still have versions of? Uh, satyr plays. <laughs> You're messing with me. I am messing with you. Tragedies. <laughs> we do have portions of one satyr play, but most of the satyr plays are lost. That's a shame. I, I mean, there's arguments about this. I mean, and I think this is historic, like goes down through all of history that comedy tends to be viewed as less important. So I think that those who preserve so these plays. That's so sad. Yeah, but that's why. I mean, they preserved the tragedies because they were considered more significant. Hmm. I agree. I would have loved to. I would love to have the Seder plays. I'd love to stage the Seder plays today, but no, we don't have them. Got to write them ourselves. It's almost yeah. doing them an injustice because we're only like keeping the the sad parts of their history. Like, why don't we get to see what they thought was funny? What they thought made people happy yeah i mean this is also true of aristotle his poetics we have his um theories on tragedy but not his theories on comedy and we're not sure if it's lost or if he never actually got around to writing it that's kind of like wild that even now comedy is still kind of just looked on as that that kind of like cousin of the genres yeah. that it's like okay yeah that's funny but then like as it keeps progressing like dramas or even like actions and stuff like that that's what's more i don't know like publicized i don't know the word that i'm trying to look for there but they're less likely to get academy awards right you yeah. rarely see a comedy win an academy award we're gonna tear some things apart now um so <laughs> perfect there were also night rituals led on Mount Parnassus, synchronized with the final stage in wine's fermentation process during the first frost of the winter, a time typically associated with Dionysus' emergence from the underworld. 
These rites were spread over two nights. The first night was the Orgia, presided over by the Maenads, who led the gathering in Sparagamos and Omophagia. You guys know about Sparagamos and Omophagia, right? Love those yeah. places. The hot Great spots. Va- vacation spots. Mm-hmm. Those, are, those are not places. Oh, um, okay. uh, <laughs> I was making sure you knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah thanks. It's good. Good to test me. Keep me on my toes. So Sparagamos... These are your. These are going to be more words of the day. We got Dionysoi. Now we have Sparagamos, which is the rending apart of flesh with bare hands. Sparagamos. Oh. So if you like, you know, take an animal and tear it apart. Omophagia is eating that flesh raw. See, I don't know if I'm about either of those things. I'm like a vegetarian. <laughs> I believe that in, if your your serial killer podcasts occasionally talk about omophagia, I don't know if they use the word. But there were some who hmm. got up to homophagia, some of those killers. The act of tearing apart and eating the god symbolically in the form of the bull was a way of becoming possessed of Dionysus. Sound familiar at all? Oh. A little, little tiny bit Christian, isn't it? Communion. Yes. <laughs> in huh. the myth, the Maenads were traditionally the women who resisted the cult of Dionysus and were driven mad. The second night is led by the Thyades, or Bacchic nymphs, who accepted the gods' ecstasy and preserved their sanity. So those are your two options. When the ecstasy comes for you, you either ride it and you're good to go, or you fight it and you're going to have a bad trip. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, that is. I mean, drugs are bad. Drugs drugs are bad, kids. I'm talking about the god, Nikki. I'm talking about the god. The god ecstasy, not the party drug the god dionysus <laughs> oh. <laughs> also a kind of party drug um this second night was more sensual the night of the thyades who accepted the god uh, and less horrifying in its proceedings these public rituals very likely preceded the secret underworld initiations done in private large-scale dionysian worship dates to 1500 bce the bull a manifestation of the god was sacrificed and torn apart or they used a goat because a goat was cheaper Greeks know how to economize. <laughs> They're like, it'll do. <laughs> it'll do. Close enough. It's got and if hooves. if you're on a budget, you can use gold. Right. Gold. Yeah, exactly right in the recipe book. The Greeks certainly found the ecstatic abandon and egalitarian ethic of the Dionysian mysteries threatening and worked to tame them. By the second century CE, formalized gatherings in the name of Eobacos or Dionysus operated a strictly by-the-book fraternal organization. The Iobaki shall meet on the ninth of each month and on the anniversary of its foundation and on the festivals of Bacchus. When anyone has lodged an application and has been approved by vote, the priest shall hand him a letter stating he is an Iobacus. No one may either sing or create a disturbance or applaud at the gathering. If anyone starts a fight or is found acting disorderly or occupying the seat of any other member or using insulting or abusive language to anyone, the abuser shall pay a fine to the society of 25 light drachmae. And if anyone comes to blows, he who has been struck shall lodge a written statement with the priest or the vice-priest, and the penalty shall be exclusion for a period to be determined and a fine not exceeding 25 silver denarii. A far cry, though, from sensual orgies in the woods. <laughs> in Rome, public rituals gave way to private ceremonies reigned over by a ritual phallus, which is to say, of course, 
an image of a penis where people got drunk. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Just make sure that we have a proper definition there. Thank you. People got drunk and had sex in every imaginable way, or at least so the chroniclers suggest. The flaccid phallus represented the god in death, and the erect phallus was the god reborn. <laughs> Just like a penis. <laughs> it dies and rises again. Yeah, it's, it always comes back, ideally. The Romans were not, not content. Don't mean to trauma, uh, traumatize anybody out there. The Romans were not content to tame the private Bacchus, though. They went so far as to ban the Dionysian or Bacchic mysteries that I've just described outright, all those penis rites. In 186 CE, the Senate formally banned the cult from meeting or practicing their rites and called for the destruction of shrines to Bacchus, which is the Roman name of Dionysus, by the way. Government records blame the cult on an unnamed Greek of humble origins who became a hierophant of secret ceremonies performed at night. The trouble... The trouble began when Publius Abutius's stepfather and mother attempted to induct him into a Bacchanalia, which is, you know, one of these secret Bacchus Dionysus rites. Abutius was of modest means and happened to be the consort of a successful freedwoman and courtesan, Hispala. So in this case, we have a rich prostitute who's, you know, has a boy on the side that she's taking care of. That's, that's who Abutius is. He's got booty in his name. Uh. <laughs> a, a bootyus, so he knew what he had to do in this life. A bootyus, <laughs> a bootyus told Hispala of his guardian's plan to induct him, and she cried out that his stepfather must want to destroy him. The ritual, she said, involved taking the initiate to a distant grove filled with shrieks and drums and the clashing of cymbals, where violence would be done to his chastity, and none could hear his cries for help. I'm not sure what chastity means in this context because, again, he is sleeping with her and she is a prostitute, but I'm guessing that they are going to abuse him sexually in the woods. Oh. The cult, that is. Those who refused to submit to the cult's demands would be sacrificed. Hispala knew because she herself had been initiated while still a slave along with her mother. The rites had initially been exclusively for women until one priestess decided to admit her sons and it had all more or less gone to hell from that point forward. Couldn't let the boys in in Rome. That caused all kinds of problems. It worked out in Greece, not so much in Rome. Those Roman boys. Typical Roman boys. Typical Roman boys. An additional rule held that uh, initiates could not be older than 20, presumably to take advantage of their young and impressionable minds. Ibudius told his mother, I know, right? Bigu. Ibudius told his mother he would not be joining the cult after all, and she kicked him out of the woods. Abutius told his mother that he would not be joining the cult after all, so she kicked him out of the house. Oh, sorry, Jake, I'm sorry. I'm coming for you today, aren't I? Um, yeah. yeah. Yikes. <laughs> I'm like, this he is went... the story of my life today. <laughs> oh, Lord. He went down to his aunt and told her the whole story and eventually ended up in front of the law, explaining it all again. Now to the constables. Hispala corroborated his account, and this story made its way to the Senate of Rome, where the cult was eventually banned. The size of the cult was estimated to be over 7,000, all guilty of a vast conspiracy of sexual abuse, murder, and conspiracy. Jeez. The cult was accused of supplying false witnesses, forging documents, and distributing poisons. A panic followed, with neighbors turning against neighbors and many committing suicide. 
Longtime listeners may be getting a little suspicious of this, but this was so long ago that we can't know for sure whether there was really a conspiracy of 7,000 people. Was there an evil cult of Dionysus plaguing Rome? To me, it doesn't seem likely, at least at the, as the, at the number of 7,000 that, that the Senate suggested. That's a lot. Like It's a lot. For that time, that would be a lot. Come on. And you have to keep the secret, right? Yeah. It's a pretty niche group to have that many. 7,000 keeping the secret of what goes on it's in the woods. It's not really a secret group. Not at 7,000, no. <laughs> also, it's not a secret if everyone is, like, talking about what they're doing, you know? Well, at it, this point, they are, yeah. Yeah. But but that's because Abudius theoretically let it out. Mm-hmm. So this is not to suggest that Roman Bacchans weren't getting up to some hijinks, even though we don't believe that it was necessarily this conspiracy. But there is more than a little moral panic in the Senate's response to the cult, which makes us suspicious. The fact that marginalized people like slaves and prostitutes participated made the cult more vulnerable to these accusations. I mean, Hispala herself was a prostitute and a slave at the time she was inducted. But the notion that these people had concocted such a vast criminal enterprise that went unnoticed until the courtesan and her lover spoke out, as we're saying, seems unlikely. Were these Bakkans operating within the letter of the law? Probably not. Were they murdering and forging documents on a mass scale? I doubt it, but who's to say? <laughs> they committing like tax fraud or something like that? Like, what are they yeah, doing? Yes, yeah. They would, <laughs> they would supply false witnesses at trials. They would forge your paperwork, all sorts of stuff. That's kind of I mean, sick. That's what the conspiracy says, anyway. Allegedly. Allegedly. It's allegedly sick. In their later form, the Dionysian Mysteries became the Orphic Mysteries. So now we're, we're bringing our, ourselves on home here. As Greek mythology's most famous singer, Orpheus had a strong tie to art, much like Dionysus and theater, and he had a further tie to the god of wine since he died being torn apart by Dionysus's female followers, the main ads. That, again, is... Sparagamos. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. So many people. Sounds torn like an apart Italian today. dish. <laughs> Anyhow. But yeah, so Pentheus was torn apart. Dionysus was torn apart. Now Orpheus has been torn apart. Everyone's getting torn apart now. <laughs> it's a central component of the Dionysian rites, or at least the mythology. Yeah. Um, so. Orphix believed that the gods all emerged from a great cosmic egg, which hatched to give birth to Protogonos, the hermaphroditic first being. Protogonos, or Eros, then gave birth to the other gods. The Orphic mystery centered around the myth of Zagreus, but they departed from the wine-induced ecstasy of the Dionysian mysteries. Wine for the Orphics became a kind of symbol, as they sought a mystical god-induced experience of the divine rather than a wine-induced experience. Sorry, no more wine. The Orphics focused on the proto-hermetic components of the Zagreus story, distinguishing the ashes of the Titans from the soul of the god in the creation of humanity. Orphics believe that the soul is imprisoned in the titanic ash of the body and remains so through ten rotations of the wheel of rebirth. So you only have to go ten times around. Then you can get out. Some commentators see echoes of Christianity, as we've briefly mentioned in the Dionysian Mysteries, a cult focused on the disenfranchised that featured a symbolic rending and consuming of the central god, by the way, also with wine, (laughs) sounds an awful lot like the Presbyterians. Also technically consuming blood and flesh, just more literally than the Christians intended. In theory, right? 
While we can't rule out that possibility, or the possibility that Dionysus influenced what later would become Christianity, it's clear that the worship of Dionysus took on many different forms. Sometimes it was a wild orgy in the woods, sometimes it was a polite gathering of Shriners, and sometimes it was a secret journey into the depths of the underworld. Well, that's your secret initiation, male or female, right? Remember we talked about you either become the god and go down into the underworld, or you become Ariadne and you go down to meet the god in the underworld. Oh. That's your journey into the afterlife. So it's like this connecting of the animal self with the spirit, with the eternal self. I mean, that's at the core of Dionysianism and also this revealing of the self in a proto-artistic way through ecstasy and trance. I just love Dionysus. How could oh, you I not? I just love Dionysus. <laughs> yeah. Bacchae was one of the first plays I did uh, when I started my job as a theater professor, and I'll probably revisit it. I've done it on the road. I've done a version in Philadelphia. I just love Dionysus. And uh, recently I did a play about Dionysus and uh, the pirates mm-hmm. of Tyre. Uh, I wrote a short story, uh, a short play for, for children about Dionysus killing a bunch of pirates. <laughs> By turning them into dolphins. But yeah, I, I love. do love the god. Yeah. All right, so final thoughts. Sign me up. Um, <laughs> I want to go. Yeah, so so Jacob, next Thursday, we'll meet in the woods. Yeah. We'll tear some people apart, drink some wine. Hell yeah, I'm down. Okay, cool. It's going to be a little chilly to be naked, so you're going to have to really keep moving. Yeah, but we have to be fast to catch the people. No one will be harmed. Catch no one. No one. Yeah, yeah, everyone's yeah. going to be fine. Cover yourself in that warm blood. That'll keep you going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. <Yikes>. Love it. <laughs> so you think you really think both of you? You think you would join a cult of Dionysus, like a, one of the wilder ones? Back oh in yeah. The day? Maybe before I got sober. Uh, uh, too much wine for you. <laughs> too much wine. <laughs> That's fair. But if the wine is a symbol, you could be an Orphic. You could be in the Orphic cult. Yeah, less wine, more tearing people limb from limb, I guess. I don't know if the Orphics would tear limb from limb, but still. A little less alcohol content in their wine compared it's to cheap. now. Yeah. So That's true. Yeah. But but a, a little more hallucinogen. So, you know. <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you got to give to take. You yeah. got to give to take. You got to get, get there somehow, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, <it's fine>. I hear. <laughs> I hereby adjourn and declare close this meeting of the Secret Order of Alchemical Actors until such a time as we get together and do it again. I want to thank Neil Sigmund and uh, Maddie Wagner, Evangeline Olson, and Julian Dobbs for providing the voices for today's episode. I want to thank Nikki Hiller Henderson, our Naked Truth, and Jake Wheatley, our Knight of the Dangling Serpent, for joining me for this discussion of one of my favorite gods, Dionysus. Say bye-bye, guys. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Catch us next time. (laughs) They they, they forgot their lines for a second, my Uh, actors. I was just thinking about joining a a call and (laughs) running into the woods and having an orgy. Who better than (laughs) the serpent and the naked truth (laughs) to join this? Come on. See, I pick you guys very specifically for these episodes. I know what I'm up to. You're like, these people would like this. Come on. You know our strong suits. (laughs) Yeah. Join us next time for the Eleusinian Mysteries. This is the mystery uh, cult uh, that revolved around the goddess Demeter and Persephone uh, and how uh, people came as pilgrims in droves to the town of Eleusis to worship and, uh, yes, again, drink hallucinogenic drugs here on A Call Confessions. 
you're an actor, so he's he's your god. Yep. It's all for you. My god as well. Sometimes, uh, you know, when I'm having a really hard time, I tell people I'm chained to the altar of Dionysus. <laughs> Is <laughs> that the theater's like... getting... What? Yeah, <laughs> that's like... the way of saying that, like, works... You're stuck in the theater, or is it like a term for yeah. writer's block? No, 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 no. <laughs> Dionysus never lets me out of uh, out that easy. Uh, there's never a block. It's it's when I'm like doing too much theater. <laughs> <laughs> this semester, I did three different performances in a single semester. We're about to close up next week. We're going to finish our. Actually, as this episode's posting, we'll be midway through our last string of performances for the holiday season. Uh, so yeah, Dionysus has been working me hard. I've been working hard for Dionysus. Let me put that the right way. Oh goodness, I just heard a sound. Is that Jake? Yeah. What do you know about he Dionysus? He says I was right. Was... Uh, there's this song that's called "The Cult of Dionysus," and one of the lyrics is, "Wine and women and wonderful vices. Welcome to the cult of Dionysus." And that's what well, I. Well, that's a of. nice rhyme. Yeah, I like that rhyme. Where, where, where's that song come from? Uh, I think it's Orion's Belt, the Orion's that... Belt, something. Hmm. The Orion's Belt? Is that the band? I think so. Yeah, they got a Greek theme going on there. Yeah. (laughs) I also had a huge Greek phase during the pandemic. Got really into Greek myths. Oh, yeah? What's your favorite? Oh, gosh. Um, Well, what one springs to mind? Medea. Ah, yeah. And Jason. Oh, so Ugh. that part of the Medea story. But yeah. you get all the way through to the devouring of the children. Well, oh, murder yeah. Of the children. No, no, I love that. I mean, I don't love that, <laughs> but, like, I love that for her. Because, <laughs> like, it is so spiteful. It's, like, the most spiteful thing you could do. I guess, but, you know, it's spiteful. She's, she's the mother. She brought them into the world, man. It's, she's cutting off her own nose And she there. can take them out. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. That's... No, I just, um... I don't know. I I like the the villain women in the Greek stories that are not really villains. Like they get to that point, but because they were like just so wronged again and again and again, and then we still get to act like they're the villain, even though the whole story is about how they were driven to this point. Because what they do is so horrible. Yeah. In theory. In theory. <laughs> but you find them justified. <sighs> kind of. <laughs> it's okay. We do hot takes. It's Top just, of the yeah, episode. that's my Let's hot take. Right I think Medea should have eaten her children. Um, <laughs> well, does she, she murdered them. She didn't eat them, right? I was thinking about eating. I'm doing the gods here. They always devour There is another other, one. But... I can't remember which one, but there's one Greek one where she cooks the husband's only son and feeds it to him. Oh, that's a... Uh, uh, and then they oh. all get turned into birds. The guy who eats his own kids is his brother who serves them to him. Is it? Okay, well, there's yeah, one yeah. with his wife because he assaults her sister and, like, cuts her tongue out. And so they can't <laughs> communicate about the assault. And then one day the sister weaves a tapestry telling the story of the assault. And then the wife kills their only son and feeds it to him. Oh. And then the gods are so mad at them all that they turn them all into birds and they're forever stuck flying after each other. Oh, that's a new one by me. I can't remember the names of any of the people because they're all so insane. 
Except for Ooh. Jason. I laughed so hard the first time I listened to a podcast about Medea, and they were like, <laughs> the warrior, Jason. I'm like, Jason? There's a Greek name. I know, but it's just but- so, like, we have, like, Heracles and... <laughs> Jason? <laughs> yeah, J is the one that's carried forward from, from the Greeks. That's true. I don't think people are thinking of Jason generally when they name their children these days, but... Yeah, no, otherwise they wouldn't name them Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, he got that golden fleece. That was cool, but then the rest wasn't as cool. But he didn't get the golden fleece. Medea did. Oh, that's... that's, She conspired, right, against Mm -hmm. Dad? Mm -hmm. Yeah. See that? There's a lot lot of family drama in there, but it also speaks to that relationship between mothers and... or, Or, you know, parents and children and... And lovers, and yeah, there's lessons in there for us. Uh, I love up today. the Greek drama.